Hello again, this is Rabbi Jeff Sachs of Atid in the Web Yeshiva with another installment of our Jewish Educators Book Club podcast. I'm sitting with Michael Haruni, who is the divisor, not the author, uh, but his title in the book is The Divisor of the New Nihalel B'Shabbat Sidur. And unless you've been really hiding under a rock someplace, I'm guessing that our listeners have... Uh, come across uh, the book because it's been receiving uh, some really very positive uh, interest and coverage in the internet, in the blogosphere and elsewhere. It is, uh, for those of you that have been hiding under the rock, it is a beautifully designed, uh, newly translated Sidur Tzfilah for Shabbat. Uh, uh, The major feature is the accompaniment on virtually every page of uh, beautiful photography, many of them taken by Michael uh, himself, uh, of uh, nature of Israel, of the modern Jewish state, historical photographs that are used to, I'll say illustrate, but I'll put an asterisk next to that word uh, because that's part of what I want to speak to you about, Michael. What is the relationship between the photographs and the Siddur text here in this in this volume? Well, the ideal that I I tried to keep to, not necessarily always successfully, but on the whole, was to um, to find a fairly central expression in the given pa- uh, passage, and to portray its meaning with a photograph to 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 enable us to to see. Uh, and in something that, ins- that realizes, that instantiates what that expression is referring to. And that way to, uh, as I like to think, to wake us up to the meaning of the passage as a whole. Um, the, uh, the, the, the connection between the pictures and the, uh, and the passages are usually highlighted uh, in each particular, let's say, I'm looking now in, in Kabbalat Shabbat, uh, which is actually I've seen is, is available for download on the, yes. on the internet for people that want to sample mm-hmm. it. Um, there'll be one or two verses or psukim from the particular mizmor, Kabbalat Shabbat, that are set off in a different, uh, in a different uh, font color. Yes. And I guess that's meant to draw a line or to connect a dot between that particular... Uh, area of focus and that particular thought in the larger mizmor and the photograph that's illustrating. So, for example, just randomly opening up here to Psuke de Zimra uh, in uh, in Tehillim Perak Tzadi Tet, to chapter 99, there's a verse, uh, which translated here as exalt Hashem our God and bow in worship at his footstool, Hadom Raglav, interpreted here photographically as a Picture an aerial photograph of Harabayat of the of the Temple Mount. So while we're davening this passage, for example, and I really I just chose this at random. Um, what's meant to be the connection between the photograph and the image, and how does that then? How do you envision the the, the davener, the worshiper, uh, then putting that back into the larger experience of moving through the prayer? Okay. Um, well. Uh, first of all, I, I like to think that the the photograph 
the, the role of the photograph is very different from any other kind of picture book. It's not... In a, a, say, a book of photos, say, say a, a book, uh, you know, uh, a coffee showcasing table. a coffee table book, showcasing a photographer's works or, or, an, or a painter's works or, or um, uh, pictures of um, the south of France, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we pick up the book to look at the photo specifically. And um, we, uh, we want to learn about the photos or we want to learn about what the photos are showing us. But that's quite different in... Uh, the, the, the role I, I think that this, the pictures can possibly have in a Sidor, which although I know that people will probably want to look at the photos and maybe the first time they pick it up they will definitely do that, but that in, in, once, it become, once we sort of normalise in the use of, the Sidor, of a Sidor of this kind I, 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 I'd hope that the, the pictures kind of fall into the background, that they become part of the whole experience that one is having when one is saying the, the prayer. Um, in other, it's a, it should be, or we might say, kind of, it, it has a tacit role in our awareness, mm-hmm. but uh, and it can and it should prompt us to uh, to being aware of what the the meaning of the passage is, but it shouldn't be the focus of the interest may, of, of the of our attention. It should be maybe a bit like the role of the image or the sequence of images in a movie uh, you know if uh, you know if we don't if, on the one hand if, the, if there were no, the, the difference between say a movie and a radio play that we might be listening to is, is the role of the images and that obviously you know contributes it's a whole different uh, totally different kind of experience and we you know we can we can focus on the story in a, in a totally different way but Admittedly, if you're a film buff or a film critic or something of that sort, you're looking at the images critically. You focus on the image, uh, images and think maybe consciously about how they relate to the text. But that, <coughs> but for the most part, we the the sequence of of the the, the visuals, the visual aspect of the movie is not what we is not what we are primarily focusing on when we watch the movie. We're thinking about the story, and the, and the, and the images are there to help the story move along. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but it's you know it's all one one whole experience. Having said that, you know I'm sure that it's not quite like that because you know it's nevertheless uh, quite an unusual thing to have a photo in a in a, in a sidor. And so what will also happen is that we you know there is this waking up effect. We you know we we have all become very um, habituated into reciting the tefillah. I mean those of us who who are in the habit of, of, of Praying, we, 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 it's become kind of you know for many of us it's a rut yeah and and you know very many very often we're concerned about the speed so we just kind of rush through it and it's very difficult to to sustain attention to what we are saying right. to to be aware of what we're right. saying and to mean what we're saying right. so the images also here come to you know to to halt us and to you know to to sort of to act as a kind of a window into the whole dimension of what the meaning of the passage is, to, to, to let us in. And, then, and, you know, and sometimes, you know, as I said, sometimes you know, I've, I've ideally tried to find a, a, a central line, in the, a line that's central, that, that the meaning of which is central in, in, in the in particular the text. Passage. I, can't, I can't honestly say that I've always managed to do that because it, there's not always a central line that lends itself to visual portrayal in that, in that way. So, so sometimes, you know, it doesn't, or at any rate, or sometimes it is a central line, but, it, but, the, but the meaning of the text of that passage can 
can vary so that it doesn't, you don't, it doesn't capture the whole meaning of the text. So sometimes there's got to be a bit of further sort of penetration. You know, there's a kind of a mental, you know, like you become a kind of a, you know, like a, a submarine. You go into the, you in, into the, into the, the depths of the meaning, and then you can look around and see where you are. And, and you know, it's your, your whole, you become your whole outlook is to become questioning of the meaning. Presumably, in any given passage, uh, there's going to be uh, one particular uh, pasuk that's going to be central for me at this moment in my prayer, at this moment in my life. And the next time I recite that, or next year when I recite it, uh, something may have shifted my own focus to a different verse sure. being central, yeah. while the person davening to the immediate right or the immediate left might yet be focusing yeah. on a third or fourth verse. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And sometimes it's not just that there's a different pas- the, the the focus within the uh, uh, you know which particular pasuk within the passages might might be focal for me at the given time or for other people, but also the meaning of the you know the meaning of the the meaning of the passage as a whole can refer can come to mean different things for me. Yeah. And you know it's, so it's it's not always successful. And sometimes when that is especially so. I thought best not to include a photo, you know, for example, especially in Shmonaisre, for example, uh, where we tend to be much more, or in Kriyat Shema. Or sometimes there were some photos in Kriyat Shema, but not in, on the whole, not in the first paragraph. Because that really, these are, you know, very, very intense moments for us when we dub, and I think, uh, I think, very, you know, moments where we like to be enclosed in our own, much more within our own space, and to let our own imagination lead us to where it does. Right. Well, actually, your, your point a moment ago brings me uh, to question. Uh, a, a significant number of the photographs are, the, the bulk of the photographs are, are kind of nature photographs, particularly nature photographs taken here in, in Eretz Yisrael. And in that, it's, uh, the sitter is similar, although maybe methodologically different, than some other works we've seen over the last few years, going back to your very own first contribution, which may have been the, uh, the snowball that got the whole thing rolling and invited imitators, and that was a, a Birkon, a venture that you put out, the Varech venture, a number of years ago. Um, <clears throat> and there have been a few imitators. In some cases, the photographs are there merely as illustration. There's no methodological... Or, or decoration. Very decoration, but yeah. very mm. lovely. And we have a long history of illustrated texts and uh, illustrated manuscripts, mm. and it fits in with that. But what you're doing here in this sitter in a more, in, in a more immediate way than you did in the Birkon, although I think it was present there as well, um, by, by incorporating a certain amount of historical photographs, principally uh, black and white photographs from the Holocaust or during the liberation or, or the early years of the state or the War of Independence in, in particular. So, for example, here I'm, I'm looking at page uh, 140 in the, uh, in the Al-Hanisim. Uh, it happens to be the Al-Hanisim for benching, but it may very well have been the Al-Hanisim for, uh, in, the, in the Amidah. Uh, for any of the tefillot, um, the Alanisim, which is the supplemental prayer that we had on Hanukkah or alternatively uh, on Purim, there's a picture of um, Israel's 8th Brigade, the 8th Brigade, the, t- the tank brigade, Israeli soldiers fighting in the War of Independence in 1948. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, there is, I don't want to say, I don't mean this in any way cynically, obviously, there's an ideological or political motivation. I don't want to mm-hmm. say agenda. Those are all terms that have yeah. certain connotations. But yeah. there's an obvious yeah. agenda here at work, which is meant in a different way than, let's say, a panoramic photograph of Jerusalem 
for a prayer that's referring to Jerusalem or a nature photograph that's talking about God and his role as creator. Mm -hmm. um, this is in a different way meant to cause a generate a, a different kind of pause on the part of the mm -hmm. davener. Mm -hmm. So could you speak to that for a moment? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, first of all, I come clean. I do. I mean, I, I don't want to say I have an agenda. I think you're right not to, you know, to withhold that word back. But, but I, I do find myself um, ideologically aligned, or, or not because of an ideology. I don't come to it because out of, you know, need to find an ideology. But I do find myself uh, very uh, committed to the sense that we are living in very special times now that the events of the 20th century and that which continue today which are, are moments of miracle and uh, and that we that we uh, we are missing something if we don't look at what's been happening in living memory and recognize that god has been intensely engaged in this process and um and uh, it's easy, for, e easy to ignore because, you know, when we're close up to it, we, we don't see it. But I think, and this is really something, the, 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 the extent to which this is true only has really, really only struck me and maybe struck others as well who have given me feedback about this, that uh, since coming out with the Siddur, which is that when we press historical events up against the text in this way, we become so much more aware of the, um, the relevance of, the, of our traditional text to what is going on here and now. And as a result, I think that we become that much more aware of the, the presence of God in the world, mm -hmm. and especially the presence of God here and now when I'm doubling. And um, and I'd say it's not only with uh, the historical photos, with the historic, with the photos that I mean, it, it, you know, let me just I'll just add that you know it's an extraordinary thing that really for the first time in history, this these mir this miraculous sequence of events has been photographically documented. Mm -hmm. So it's really the first opportunity that we've got now, ever, to actually place this living record of. The, 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 the miraculous activities of Hashem in our world, in our immediate world up against the, the, the prayers that we, that we say to him and, um, and I think that we, you know, the results are, are fascinating I think it's, you know, it's really you know, and, uh, as I've said elsewhere I think that we, what we discover is that um, we, it is the extent to which the the prayers that we say, the, this traditional text that we've inherited for the script for speaking to God is, you know, that, you know I think a lot of us grew up with this sense that it's, it's, it's not, I don't want to say an anachronism, but it's something that was, it's almost like a commemoration yeah. of, of another time. You know, something that comes from a period of revelation uh, and you know, maybe continued up to, you know, um, much earlier times. You know, you know, maybe a little bit after, you know, for one But already today, we, you know, 
we're, we're out of it. You know, we're just kind of biding our time. You know, we're just like waiting for things to happen. And the prayers that, that we've inherited, okay, we see, we keep them going. We've got, you know, we've got this. We've got this tradition we've, we've got to maintain, but it's really for the future time when the big, when the big Ula will come. Right. But I think that what we realise is that it's these, the, the, the text that we've inherited is about what's going on right now. And it makes the whole past reverberate you know, loudly into, in, in, the, in, our, in our present reality. A number of years ago I was at a Shabbat meal <coughs> and there was a guest, a woman, middle-aged woman who uh, is not generally a, a shul-goer and not generally a Shabbat meal-goer, but uh, for whatever reason she'd been invited or has had some connection to the hosts. So she had met them in shul and gone to shul and then came to this meal that I was also present at. And she said, you know, it had been many, many years since she'd gone to shul, but, you know, because of this occasion she went and she uh, followed along in a sitter. I said, oh, how did you find it? So she said, well, I'm a I'm a history teacher, so it so it spoke to me because I'm able to understand ancient history. So I thought, well, it's nice that she connected to it, but at the same time, you know, I felt that she she had missed a great part of the experience if she related to it only as ancient history. And I think that part of what the book is doing is to uh, is to um, you know is to pull it forward and to create that sense yeah. of immediacy and urgency, which which photography has a power to do yeah. in ways that even the greatest art. Uh, uh, the greatest, you know, painting and other forms of uh, of art uh, don't have. Mm. Um, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Just t- tell us a word about your own interest in photography and how you came to this project, and uh, it's something you've been working on for many years. I know the uh, photography. The well, photography, but but the the work on this. Uh, sort of well, yeah, it began, of course, as you mentioned, with the Navarach Bencher. Um, how the idea came about, I don't really remember, but it was. Uh, um, you know, the, quite clearly, the, you know, the guiding idea in putting that together, and that was, of course, a much, much briefer work, was to um, to uh, to juxtapose images, photographic images, with the text. It was just because it was not just about the, you know, the great of meals, uh, with, with, to juxtapose the images of the text in a way that would depict the meanings of the text, and that way make us aware of what we're saying as we say, and. Um, I got tremendously positive feedback over the years, and still do, uh, from people who, uh, among whom the the venture has been very popular. Baruch Hashem, it found a very extensive niche in primarily in the United States, but not only. Um, and um, uh, a number of people actually said, "Well, well you know, what, if it works with filah, why not do a hosidor?" And you know, it, was, it really became. Yeah, as we're saying, vacation. You know, it's like mm-hmm. kind of the the, uh, the an obvious thing that has to be done, and and so I began work on it. Um, I, I I count up a total of six years, actually, may even be more, but not continuously. I mean, you know, I, I, I began I began work on it uh, uh, maybe eight or nine years ago, and I had to put it aside, and then and then came back to it. And the the photography side of it um, is. Um, uh, it wasn't originally my intention to um, to include many of my own photos in it. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, I had in mind really to to draw what I draw the images from 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 historical archives and existing image and contemporary image banks and uh, um, uh, and and 
there are all kinds of sources where I can get some very thrilling sure. images. Um, but then I realized that it was, uh, there were a lot of the ideas I had for images that would connect with, t- with the text were much too specific and wouldn't really, wouldn't really, um, I, I'm very unlikely to find them in, in existing sources. So, so, uh, so I had to be, had to create them. Not having the budget to commission a photographer to go out and do it myself, yeah. Yeah. I revived my, uh, the, really it was, you know, my, my, you know, my very loved hobby as a kid. Um, uh, and we, you know, which I did continue into adult life, but it, but it became dormant at a certain point, and um, invested in some some better equipment that would enable me to do this, and, and uh, went about, and it was really very very exciting to rediscover photography. Well, the the sitter is, and again, it's, I should emphasize, it's only the Shabbat sitter, and I know yes. that others are in yeah. the works, the weekday sitter, and you yeah. know, for the holidays. Yeah. Um, the it's 650 pages long, yeah. and there's a full color. F- photograph on virtually every page. So even if I think you mentioned your estimate is about a third of them are your own photographs, it's still a significant uh, body of uh, yeah. body of, uh, of artistic work. Uh, it's natural, of course, that we should be talking about the photographs, but there are, to my mind, at least two other very significant features of the sitter that would make it worthy of our attention, even if it mm-hmm. contained no photographs. Mm-hmm. One is the typography and layout, and the other, maybe even more significant, is the translation. It's a it's a it's a wholly new translation mm-hmm. undertaken by yourself. So, yeah. tell us a little bit about. We'll start first. Start with the. Uh, let's first talk about the typography, the layout. It is a fully translated sitter, mm-hmm. so each tefillah contains the original mm-hmm. Hebrew text and the translation, as well as, of course, the kind of accompanying instructions that we've grown used to yeah. in the post-art scroll world, yeah. uh, the types of uh, types of guidance and instruction mm-hmm. that uh, accompany any sitter. But I remember when, when I was a kid growing up in the United States, before the art scroll sitter, mm-hmm. uh, the only real Hebrew-English sitter in use was the Birnbaum sitter, mm-hmm. which, you know, did very fine. I still have a copy on, mm-hmm. on my shelf someplace, well-worn, dog-eared. Uh, but typographically, it was... It couldn't have been plainer. Mm-hmm. It was just block after block of run-on text mm-hmm. to the uninitiated daviner, to the uninitiated daviner, excuse me, to the uninitiated daviner, um, uh, you know, davening began on page one and it ended on page 200 and, you know, you just got on the train and and went until mm-hmm. you came to the destination. Mm-hmm. And the layout of the sitter itself did nothing to communicate to you the hierarchy of passages mm-hmm. and the centrality of one portion of the davening mm-hmm. or the transition between the parts of davening. The, when the art scroll sitter appeared, I guess, in the mid-'80s, um, that did a lot to move us forward. And with each different, you know, uh, Gilgul, mm-hmm. each different... Uh, uh, a generation of new prayer books we've moved further and further yeah. and we're actually living in a time now uh, where there have been a, a tremendous mm-hmm. proliferation right. of new Sidurim mm-hmm. yeah. many really quite innovative mm-hmm. the Korean yeah. series of Sidurim that have mm-hmm. come out over the last number of mm-hmm. years your own and, and, and others so, so tell us a little bit about the typography and what you're trying to do with yeah. the typography yeah. and how it fits in together with the images okay. and uh, well, let, let me say first of all, I, I, I could not agree with you more about you know the, we're living really for, you know for the, from the point of view of the genre of sidurim. This is uh, especially English Hebrew sidurim. This is a remarkable time, and you know the, uh, art scroll is uh, ha- has made a tremendous, an amazing contribution to to the genre. You know, it really it really opened up the whole possibility of um, of 
making the Siddur something, you know, something a, a bit more than just the, the barest presentation of text that would, you know, and, and, and also vis-à-vis -vis the instructions. I, maybe I should say a little bit about that as well, mm -hmm. because you mentioned that. Um, you, know, it, it, uh, you know, I think Art Scroll, maybe their biggest achievement was that it opened the Siddur up to people who were unfamiliar with davening, who, who, you know, who you know, relatively new to, to, to tefillah, or even people who, you know, plenty of people, really, who, you know, maybe would be embarrassed to say, but they, you know, they'd grown up in the tradition, but they just, you know, they somehow there were little, little details that they'd never picked yeah, up. Sure. And it was excellent for people, a lot of people, just to be able to, you know, to ask for really guiding them through it in the most detailed way. I, I think that, uh, you know, and I've tried to, and, and of course, Corin, the Corin Sachs, the exquisite Corin, Corin Sachs, Sidoras, you know, has been an amazing uh, advance of the genre. And, um, and you know, and I, I've, uh, all these Sidoras also have, you know, have excellent instructions. I've tried in this Sidor to, um, to, uh, not to minimize instructions, but, or the rubric, as it's called sometimes, the, the, but to, to um, uh, to to uh, um, to to uh, to relate to the user as um, as a per as not you know sometimes uh, all right let me say this again the the there it can be a tendency when the instructions are very detailed to um, to go to maybe go a little bit overboard and, and you know to to first of all to expect the, the you know the user to be able to to um, uh, to really you know to do exactly as is you know for example late filling I mean you know you're not going to be able to learn to, to learn to late <coughs> it filling it reads like an instruction manual from IKEA catalog it, yeah. it can do you know and it you know and it tends to sort of you know I, I, you know as I say you know these are, these are excellent contributions but. Uh, but you know there is the danger that the user becomes a bit treated a bit like an automaton, you know, a bit like a robot, and you know instead of a person who is looking right. for meaning, right. for meaning. Now I tried with the instructions to you know to to attach the the required action to meaning, and also you know maybe to enable the user to expect the user to to um, to look elsewhere when you know when when certain details of what they have to do are, are you know are not clear to them and, and also you know so very, you know we really learn our tradition from from looking from going to a shul and being and in, seeing in a community or, or in a community and seeing what people actually do you know three steps forward three steps back that's you know that's what we see it done or, or you know how you wave a lulav on lulav and etra on on it is you know you're not going to be able to do it right if you don't see it done so it's really a very much a visual tradition as well. Yeah. But um, so, uh, it, although I have to say that you know I, I can't say that I succeeded in um, with the instructions consistently in 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 in, um, in uh, catering to the user's quest for meaning because it's very very difficult very difficult sometimes to without you know because it becomes otherwise it can become much much too long. Okay. But um, now the layout the layout um, we uh, I, together with uh, the uh, the together with the um, uh, the excellent uh, graphic designer Dov, Dov Abramson, Abramson um, we looked for a font. Uh, we didn't, I, didn't have the, I didn't have the budget to commission a, a new font yeah, from scratch, fun. but we did buy a font which I think was completely new then, hadn't been used, and as far as I know, it's not been used since. What font is this? It's called uh, it's called Moshe. It's called Moshe, Moshe from a company called Fontbit, mm -hmm. and. Um, 
we also then worked with Fontbit to, to, to add certain symbols which um, have become... Uh, I, 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 I didn't innovate the, with the universe, use of these, uh, these symbols in the Sidor. They, they do appear. Uh, other, others, other actual uh, vi- visual elements do appear in other Sidorim to perform the same function. Such mainly, as indicating where the indi- Chazan is meant to... Such as indicating where the Chazan is meant to, uh, to, come out, uh, to, to speak, to, to come out loud, uh, or the emphasized syllable of the word, mm-hmm. when it's not the last syllable of the word, the, 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 the most common uh, method is to put a sign. People have used a, what's called a metag. Yeah. Uh, other Sidorim have used a metag, and that's quite, there's quite a long tradition of doing that. That's at least, you know, at least 100 years old. Yeah. Putting a metric under the, under the emphasized syllable when the sil- when the emphasized syllable is not f- is not by no, default the last clear, syllable yeah. right when it's mil- when it's uh, mm-hmm. um, so uh, but it's not always a very easy symbol to identify just visually it's a bit mm-hmm. small so I, you know it's important to have something a bit more visible but also not uh, you know that doesn't overwhelm you you know if you're not especially concerned to for, to find it similarly with the the distinction between the Shvana and Shvanach, um, we have uh, a, a heavier, but uh, a, 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 dis- a distinctly heavier, a distinctly heavier uh, Shva uh, when it's shvan, uh, Shvana, um, and also for the um, uh, for the um, uh, for the uh, Kamatz Katan. That was, I think, began by, begun by Rinach Israel. Rinach yeah. introduced that distinction. Yeah. And uh, a distinction has become especially important since um, the uh, pronunciation in, contemporary, in, in modern Hebrew has become much more common, uh, common not only in Israel, in Israel but also in the diaspora. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the, so one would ordinarily pronounce a kamatz as a, where, you know, which was in Ashkenazit, uh, yeah. it was o. o. You know, you know, but, but there are plenty of words where the kamatz is uh, is pronounced o as in the word kol most most commonly, or koreinu uh, or choneinu for example, uh, and um, and there Rinat Yisrael really innovated with 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 distinguishing uh, by a different symbol mm-hmm. the kamatz katan. Uh, so uh, I've, I've it was important to incorporate all of these things and and Fontbit worked with us to develop symbols that would be conspicuous but but not, um, uh, but n- not making, but n- not overly dominant, not not too prominent for people who don't necessarily want to notice it, and and and, and also reasonably aesthetic. But even beyond that, the the on any given page, the integration or the the synthesis between the word and the image and the layout of the the text superimposed on and and integrated with the image. Yeah. Uh, is itself uh, a very creative. I, I presume that yeah. this was something that you and the graphics people worked on together. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, I think it was, you know, it was important. There were probably some very long nights and disagreements. Yeah, about exactly how to do there definitely one were, and definitely were. And I've got to say that uh, you know, Dov, you know, Dov often prevailed on me to, to to do things differently, and I did not always listen to him. And uh, and I think that you know, he not necessarily. I think he may have been right in many in too many of those cases, yeah. but. Uh, but uh, one of the one of the thoughts that, that guided us here was was this this integration of the text and image to make it really one single process of you know going through and going through the davening and 
and not again not as I said before not thinking of the image as something separate from separate from the davening something something that you separate that you focus on separately but something that you that is uh, part of a s- whole single process and uh, and um, so that you're you know the the the, the page as a whole the incorporation of the integration the integrated text and image become the single uh, almost like a, a kind of a unified element that you are prompted to daven from mm-hmm. in you know in and, and yeah. uh, that, that prompts you to to move into saying something with some awareness of what you're saying and say a word about the translation and what was guiding you in the translation uh, well I, I'm, first of all I'm very grateful for you to, uh, uh, for asking me about that because really this was really the, the part that for me although it's not so noticeably it's not, it's not noticeably the most innovative part but it really because of the photographs after all but it's this was really the dearest part for me because um, uh, it was probably the biggest challenge and uh, I, I like to think of myself as, you know, if, if I have any profession, then it's as a writer, but uh, or at least as uh, with pretensions to being a writer. So, so, um, and uh, uh, the, and I think, you know, that what the, ch- you know, there were certain challenges that I set myself in working on the translation, and this is what really took me took me longest uh, in the whole in the whole uh, in the whole uh, the whole production to produce text, which was. <coughs> Uh, on the one hand, faithful to the original, which really did deliver to the person who doesn't understand Hebrew, really did deliver the meaning in in of, of the original in in the purest way, but also would work as something that a person could feel is what is coming from their own heart. You know, it's like. Um, is coming from. If we're talking obviously, of, you know, of somebody who, who, who is an English speaker, who, um, uh, well, let's say, that, you know, broadly speaking, there, there are three. I think there are three different categories of, of for this purpose, three different u- types of users um, who the, the the English serves. One is um, one is the person who. Um, who may understand Hebrew, uh, who knows Hebrew well, and sometimes even uh, a native English, a Hebrew speaker, but uh, sometimes just needs needs to peek at, uh, you know, it's sometimes it's very very difficult language, uh, the, especially when it's from even Jerusalem. for contemporary native Hebrew speakers. Yeah, and uh, uh, and you know, and I had the luxury of being able to you know spend sometimes hours over you know struggling over a particular phrase and trying to figure it out and looking at all kinds of other sources and so on. And um, and coming up with some thought about what it what it does mean, so you know I can present it and they can glance over and look at and, and, and be helped by that. So that's one that's one usage. Another usage is the kind of people who probably the majority of people who do daven in the diaspora, who are, who uh, who can who read Hebrew but, and daven in Hebrew, but don't uh, don't have a, any kind of real command of, of what the, what the Hebrew means, and and they will be looking. They'll be de- dependent on the English translation to uh, to know what it is that they're saying in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. So they'll sometimes more than just glance. Sometimes they'll you know they'll even study the you know spend a mo- spend a moment actually studying studying the English and seeing what seeing what it is they're saying. Uh, and and the third category is um, which actually I was very surprised to discover how extensive this is and how important this is. People who 
are so new to davening and so new to, to Judaism, uh, to, to religious Judaism, that they uh, cannot read Pray Hebrew. In English, yeah. And so, in accordance with halacha, they do uh, daven in English. Yes. And I didn't, I didn't realize how, how, how numerous uh, the, the people in the, and how important that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in each of those, in each of those uh, cases, especially the last two, the responsibility is tremendous to provide a text that not only for the people who, to whom the, the, the Hebrew itself is opaque, the meaning is opaque, it, you know, it doesn't, doesn't lead you directly to the meaning, for who are dependent on the English to know what it is they're saying in Hebrew. And, and, you know, it's, and, but also to give them a sense, you know, that it, it's not just enabling them to understand what, what it is they're saying, but it's also the tone of what they're saying. Mm-hmm. To give them a sense of um, uh, not just the mood of of what the uh, of how of, of of what is being said and how you know what, how we're saying something in the, mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the Hebrew, but also uh, you know I think it's important for people to sense that they are speaking directly from the from the heart to God. Uh, that is, after all, what we what we try to do when we don't. And and I think that uh, you know so this very important challenge was to to provide a language and to provide to provide an idiom that, that did give these people the sense that you know this is how I naturally speak this is really coming from me it's not coming from some an, some anachronistic source right. it's 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 from it, me here and now is there a particular passage or section that you particularly struggled over and feel exemplifies what it is that you're aiming for that you can point us well, to? Well, quite a lot. I mean, uh, you know, always, uh, you know, nearly all of the, of the, of the Psalms, yeah. uh, and, you know, quite a lot. There are, I think, if I remember rightly, something in the whole Siddur, if I remember rightly, about something like 70 or 60 or 70 Psalms that appear in the Siddur, the whole Siddur, in the, in the Shabbat Siddur, a bit less. Um, and they were always, always the, biggest, the biggest challenge yeah. and always the most, the most satisfying to, you know, nuts to crack. Yeah. Um, difficult to pick out one particular example, but you know maybe if you uh, just one that comes to mind, maybe because I just love it so much, is the uh, David. Is it Psalm 47 that we say during the high uh, holidays? During, during in those that uh, seven or eight week period between uh, Rosh Chodesh Elul and Shemitah. Uh, yeah, Shemitah. Um, it's. Uh, Following the Friday night davening. Yeah, right. it actually appears. Uh, I think three times in the Sukkot. Yeah. I tried not to require people to repeat it. Um, so here on page uh, page one hundred and one hundred one. Um, you know, it's. Uh, you know, here, like here's one particular expression which um, here, which was especially challenging, and that is lemaan shorarai. Uh, maybe I should read the pasuk. Ki aviva imi azavuni. Ah, it's two pasukim. I'm going two pasukim back. Ki aviva imi azavuni vaadonai yasfeni. Horeni adonai darkecha uncheni boorach mishor lemaan shorarai. Now, shorarai. Um, it's actually translated in most places, in most other places, as um, uh, I'm not totally sure of the basis of this, but because of its similarity to the word sororai mm. as meaning my enemies, my foes. Uh, 
so what we come up with, what we would come up with there, with going on that idea, is uh, my, you know, my parents have uh, my, or right, my, you, you, my, um, my, my father, father and my mother have broken from me, but Hashem embraces me, instruct me, Hashem, in your way, and coach me through a course of rectitude so that I rejoin, or, or for the or how they, they would then they say, for the sake. Because of my enemies, or, or uh, as against my enemies, mm-hmm. my, my foes, um, the idea there would be, I suppose, to, um, to say that you know, if I do adhere to your way in this situation, I find myself rather forlorn. But if I adhere to your way, then then I um, uh, then you know you, you, you then this is what will fortify me when I'm up against my your enemies. enemies. Yeah, but here but you translated. I, well, Shorai has is actually it's a very unusual word. It has all kinds of all kinds of um, uh, associative meanings. One is, um, funnily enough, it uh, it can mean Shorer can mean umbilical cord. Oh yeah. And it can also mean, um, of course, uh, 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 it can come from Shir. You know, uh, Lashir. Yeah. Uh, and in it's contemporary same, have yeah. Hebrew, we have Meshorer, as meaning poet. I'm not sure how far back in, in the history of Hebrew that that, that uh, goes, but but um, I'm, not, I'm not sure it comes from uh, from from scripture. But uh, but it, clearly, it has it has an association with Shir, and just as Sorarai or Sorer comes from. T- it comes from tsar, which is you know the, you know the, the basic form of enemy in that in that meaning. Mean. So the so can shorer come from shir or sham, mm-hmm. meaning some. So um, now I have this, uh, you know, so, I, that you, so that you translate it, so that I rejoin with my soul. So rejoin with my soul. And rejoin has this. So so here, what, I'm, you now, know, what I were you aiming that uh, rejoin should have a, a you, you should you should there should be that echo of umbilical cord. Uh, yeah, uh, two, 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 meanings two, meanings. There. two meanings there. So, so, so on, you know, my father and my mother have broken from me, but my, but Adoshem, I don't say the word. What, the other way, Adoshem, yeah. you know, with ends in in the text, but it's good. I would say that my father and my mother have broken from me, but Adoshem embraces me, instruct me, Adoshem, in your way, and coach me through a course of rectitude, so that I rejoin with my son. So. You know the sense that comes across here. I hope is that I find myself here. I am, and, and also I should go back. You know the, the you know the psalm as a whole talks about. I find myself in a in a life in which there are all kinds of threats. Very true of the contemporary world. You know we, we're threatened by by terrorism, by war, by um, you know all kinds of you know and all the threats that just go, you know in a normal ordinary life. You know you know the threats that you well, know, that, people, that, that ill health in, and so on. That hooks back in with the picture then, which illustrates a balance here between the the text and the meaning and the word, yeah. and it hooks back in because the yeah. picture that illustrates at least this uh, this uh, appearance of David, the first appearance in yeah. in the book here on page one hundred, is the picture of an Israeli army helicopter yeah. and soldiers boarding yeah. the helicopter. Uh, yeah. So, so the whole situation is one in which we, we, we find ourselves as we grow up and into adulthood, we, we our situation is really one of the very forlorn. We, we there's a helplessness. We suddenly find ourselves alone, detached from the support that we took for granted when we were small, of you know living in a secure family network, 
you know, maybe especially later in life when, you know, God forbid our parents have passed away and we're alone, uh, you know, we, we, you know, how do we, how do we continue through life? Mm. So, you know, in this really helpless situation, so, you know, with, with all these threats going, these difficult threats going on, going on around us, and, you know, the danger of health, and, you know, we, you know, we live, things we live with every day, and, and, you know, I think the answer is to, the, the, the answer that the, you know, the, the, the Mizmor is giving us is to ask Hashem to teach me, to instruct me in the Orach uh, Mishor, uh, in the way of right, in the way, to, so that I can feel that by doing right, doing what, fulfilling my purpose in this life, as Hashem, you know, which is to, to be God's partner in this world, in fulfilling the right way that he's, he's designed for us, Tikkun Olam and all kinds of other things of that sort, that that way I will I can justify my existence here on earth even when I'm alone and forlorn I can reconnect with that original purpose that my parents set me forth onto this earth for and so even though I'm physically away from my parents I really continue being with them because that's what they put me here for so um, you know, I don't know how much of that really comes across in, in the in the translation. You know, so I, I can you know, as I, as I mentioned generally that it was always a temptation to um, you know when when the Hebrew, as it is over and over again, reverberates with all kinds of levels of meaning, and you know, it was always a temptation to. To elaborate in the English, right? You're right? But you can't do but that. You can't so weigh it down and make it, it. Well, that's you know. First of all, because um, it will make it much too long, and secondly, because that's just not what the Hebrew says. Right. You know, the Hebrew. I mean, another example that comes to mind: Echad. You know, I, I, I deliberated for a very long time. In fact, this is one of the last things I, I, I decided was. To simply translate echad as one, which is really its literal meaning, and the way it's probably translated in, in most in everywhere, everywhere, yeah. But what was the temptation? Well, the, the, the Mafarshi, the, the interpreters give us. Uh, Rashi tells us that to relate it to the Chazon Zechariah, you know, the, the you know the, the he, 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 draws, he draws on the word you know the the, uh, the universality of Hashem in the world, which is which will be realized especially when you know in the, you know when the, the vision of Zechariah comes about when everybody's you know we're all speaking one language and, and you know and everybody recognizes the greatness of Hashem and and, and, and so that uh, but um, um, and uh, against Rashi there is Ramban who talks more and stresses the 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 sense of the uniqueness of Hashem as you know as opposed to the you know, question on the idea that you know that there are different different uh, forces, uh, you know, being, you know, as in other conceptions. Uh, so you know, the, the, so so here we have um, different meanings. And I wanted, you know, I was trying to think, you know, should I put this one? Should I make it sort of that is universal or is unique or try and find some word that combines them both? But really, the Hebrew only gives us the one simple word, echad, namely one. So. Really, that was the challenge of the translator. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know that professionally, you you don't come from the world of uh, education, at least not formally defined. But uh, the work obviously reflects uh, deep educational thinking, 
about prayer, about kavanah, other things. But for for those of us that are tasked with the challenge of educating, and the challenge of educating for meaningful tefillah is a very significant challenge that we face. Uh, maybe you could tell us how you see this contributing to the field and how it might be used in educational work. Well, um, what I'd hope is, firstly, uh, I, I, what I gather is that uh, it's maybe the biggest challenge that Jewish educators see as at least one of the biggest challenges, if not the biggest challenge in Jewish education today, is to enable the, to, to, to revive an enthusiasm for prayer among, uh, among kids, not, not only among kids, also among adults. Yeah. You know, become, you know, to, to, you know, to, to, to make us enthusiastic, enthusiastic about, about davening, but also to, you know, to, to, to daven with, with kavanah, with, you know, to, to know, you know, to, to, you know, to, 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 to make it, to make us mean what we, mean something when we, when we, when we daven. Um, so I'd hope that just you know the 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 um, uh, the uh, if only at the level of a picture book you know even if we have to go back to that and you know to, to you know to, to give kids the treat of being you know of a, of a sidor which you know mm-hmm. uh, of you know which has pictures all kinds of exciting pictures for example you know the you know the man on the moon or uh, or um, you know of you know the, you know galaxies distant galaxies right. or uh, you know or, or you know a mountain a mountain in China for example, uh, but also um, I think there I would hope that the you know I know that there were things uh, there were things that were done in classrooms with the bencher yeah um, where you know it was used at least in some cases I'd heard of yeah. that here, here at Atid with our in our educators program I think I may mention this to you uh, when the bencher first came out about. It's been about 15 years ago. 14 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Uh, we used it in a seminar with teachers from uh, from the United, visiting from the United States oh. uh, who struggle with these issues. Uh, at the time, they said, "Yeah, it would be great if we had a sitter like this." And, <laughs> and here it is. Well, I, I'm, I'm really, really, really honoured that uh, the people have, you know, would have thought of using this little thing that I put together to, to for, for, for such a such a noble noble pursuit of education. And, but I know that what you know, what people in have, what was done in some classrooms was um, to give the kids the exercise of putting together uh, a you know a, a text, mm-hmm. some text, and their own images, whether images they yeah, took the, sure. the photograph themselves or, or they certainly now with the things. internet, it's possible to find very very you know, almost anything. Yeah, yeah. Very easy to do with the internet. So you know, and I hope that people will do that. And uh, you know, and if it, you know, if it does make them, uh, you know think more about what they're doing. I think that would be wonderful. You mentioned just the picture of the man on the moon, which, which I, I had mentioned to you uh, earlier, you know, uh, was the one that gave me the most, uh, you know, just, just joy. It's such a wonderful, uh, creative juxtaposition of two images in the morning brachot, you know, which are laid out rather, here, rather conventionally on the, on the first page, the list of the brachot, the birkot shachar, for, you know, different blessings of praise uh, to God as we go about our get, get the morning going. But uh, about halfway through, three quarters of the way through, there's one bracha, Baruch Hashem Elokeinu Melech Alam Hamechin Mitzadei Gaver, which you translate as "Blessed are You Hashem, who engineers the stride of man." Now that's uh, in and of itself, it's a thought-provoking uh, translation. 
Hamichin Mitzadegav, as engineers the thoughts of man. The full uh, page facing is that iconic picture of one of the Apollo astronauts. The most famous footstep, one small step for man, one giant footstep for mankind. Uh, one of the Apollo astronauts standing on the lunar surface with the footprints embedded in the dust around him. And on the opposite page is a tiny toddler swaddled in a, in a diaper, taking maybe his first step. And the two pictures are juxtaposed in a way that the shadow of the astronaut being cast across the lunar surface could also be seen as the shadow uh, from the foot of the baby himself. And it's just such a charming, uh, felicitous uh, image that makes you pause and think of, you know, the miracle of the, the achievement, the human achievement uh, of, of reaching the surface of the moon and the miracle of a baby taking its first step not the most giant step for mankind, but in some ways, yes. Uh, it, it, just to cause that moment of pause and reflection on the meaning of a daily bracha, which unfortunately many of us, not you, gentle listener, but I can say for myself, many of us, uh, you know, recite by recite by rote. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, you know, like I, I, let me add to that that. Um, <coughs> You know, this is one example that what, you know what you just mentioned. Um, you know, it's so easy to take things for granted, and and yet, you know, we just have to look a little bit and see. Wow, you know, this it, the littlest things. You know, just so remarkable. I mean, just the fact that it's possible to, you know, for for a human being right. to come to, to come into this world and to and then to start walking and then to do. All kinds of other things. Let alone, I mean, you know, walking on the moon is something that's particularly striking. But tons of stuff before right. that is, oh, it's, you know, yeah. just amazing. Or even, you know, you know, going back to what we were saying before about, you know, the sense of the presence of God and of the miraculous in our t- in our day that is given to us, maybe especially by the the um, by the history fo- the historical photos. Um, uh, you know, I think just we just have to look at a mountain range. You know, whether the Grand Canyon or a mountain in 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 in, in, in Eretz Israel or the Hermon or, or, or in China. China. Um, you know, to you know, wow, the, you know, what an amazing world we live in, and how amazing it is that God is so present to us and so involved in this world, world of ours. Right. Uh, let me just, I just wanted to clarify one thing. This photograph on page 178-79 of the, of the Apollo astronaut and little baby, it's not done in a kind of kitschy or cheesy photoshopped way where it looks like the baby's walking on the moon. I, I can't, I don't want to describe it in words because the listeners should just go and look at it in, in the sitter and, and I think it's a demonstration of the, the power of the image without while maintaining a very high aesthetic uh, which runs throughout the book. And actually, uh, I'll just point out to the, to the listeners that many uh, pages of the book are available for preview on, on your website, which is www.nihalel.com, nihalel.com, where you can also download the Kabbalat Shabbat section of the Siddur for a, to take it for a test drive, I suppose. Mm-hmm and to see a very large sample of the layout and, and, sample, uh, and sample images and to read some of the other material about the, uh, about the, about the sitter. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I'd love to say more about all kinds of things, and I'm very grateful for the time you've given. Let, let me uh, 
say about the translation because you know this, I harp on about this because this is really the, you know, the part I enjoyed most uh, as, as I mentioned before the, you know, the part of the challenge uh, an additional challenge to what I mentioned before was, was also to find the right line to draw between being literal you know, you know maybe overly literal on one side and, and um, on the other hand uh, one has to take a certain amount of liberty I mean you can't you know just as you know you, 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 a, a straight literal you know word for word translation won't be readable in English but on the other hand not depart you know knowing how far one can depart from the original uh, say that you know the syntax of the Hebrew uh, without going too far away from it because you know it's one, one of the things I realized uh, while doing the translation is that Translating a siddur is very different from translating, say, a novel. Mm-hmm. I don't know something I've never done, but um, uh, you know, if I read, say, uh, a novel translated from German, a, a, a language I, I, I don't know a word of, um, then it doesn't really matter to me all that much how faithful this this novel is teach to the to the to the original sense. to the original. I mean I want to know that the story is the same. That, you know, I haven't missed out anything, you know, any of the main meanings of you know that, that existed in the original. But it won't matter to, to, to me so much if it's not, you know, uh, you know, sentence by sentence or even clause by clause right. literal translation. Right. Certainly it won't matter if it's not word for word. When but when we're talking about the Sidor, there's a whole other responsibility, which is that you, the, the, the user, at least those users who don't know Hebrew, who, who don't know, who can't, who don't know, the, uh, who can't understand Hebrew, are totally reliant on the translation to know what it is they're saying. And so they, they, um, they it's, it's got to adhere much more closely to, to, the, to the original. But on the other hand, as I say, you know, to be, you know, being, you know, that doesn't mean a, wor- a you know, word-for-word literalism because that really fail, will fail to convey usually the, the, the you know, the, the meaning as a whole, the meaning of the meaning of, of the sentence. And then there's a question of what the unit of meaning is, whether the, the sentence or the smaller part. So we're looking forward to the, the next volume. Will be a weekday sitter, Please go. Uh, and we can be expecting that. Sometime. I hope within a year. Uh, you know, the, the um, much of the work was done. I, I, by the way, you know, I the. The original, the original thought was that it would be the whole Sidor in one, in one volume. Yeah. And then, not you know, possible. You know, not possible, you know, realized. You know, yeah. But I should say that, uh, in other words, uh, uh, very many books are sent our way for review or for consideration or for other things, and I, I don't get to all of them, and I don't, uh, uh, you know, not every book which, which I read is, is, you know, can be reviewed or can we have a conversation about. But this was a great pleasure because I. I received a copy and I was able to take it for a test drive over the course of a, of a Shabbat mm. and, uh, and it, it, you know, I've been using it uh, in the weeks uh, since and it's really added to my davening uh, to create that moment of pause. It may be the kind of thing that it won't become my sitter for every single Shabbat mm-hmm. and it could be that the power of it will be to daven for it for a few weeks mm-hmm. to put it back on the shelf go back to a more garden variety sitter mm-hmm. and then take it out you know, when I need to yeah. recharge that battery or to mm. put the brakes on mm. and cause those moments mm. of pause. I'd be interested in hearing from someone that'll use it every single week, week after week, Shabbat yeah. after Shabbat, year after year, mm. uh, if the arresting 
component, yeah. the, the, the slowing down, uh, or do we become, you know, kind of used to, to everything, no mm-hmm. matter how arresting the image or the layout, mm-hmm. or I presume the presume the latter. It might be a good idea for people to switch up their sidurim from time to time uh, mm-hmm. in, all, in all considerations, but mm-hmm. this is certainly one that should be in everyone's rotation, and it certainly should be, uh, it certainly should come to the attention of those of us that work in Jewish education and face those very serious problems because it is a really fantastic resource, both for daveners and for people that are responsible for other people's davening. So we so we all uh, thank you. And again, the website is nihalel.com. The book uh, seems to be widely available in Jewish bookstores. It's being distributed both here in Israel and North America, in Europe. And uh, if you're having trouble finding it where you are, you can find information about it and you can contact Michael Haruni. The book's, again, what is your title? Divisor. Devised by uh, uh, Very difficult word to... I, I, uh, I didn't really know what... You know, photographer, what. translator, uh, a sitter, pioneer, extraordinaire, Sidur Nahalel Bishop.